0: Science story,
1: huh? Is that all you a scientist? I was so and I, just wow. thought, well, I figured
2: it wow. out. It was that tall. golden moment because science was on my side. Hey everybody, welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. I'm your host, Aaron Barker, and this week we're presenting stories about one of everyone's favorite topics, private parts. Uh, as you may know, the very first story I told at Story Collider back in 2011 was about my private part. And ever since, I've had a deep affinity for saying the word vagina on stage. So I'm very excited to introduce today's stories. Our first story today is from Adrian Bain. It was recorded in December 2018 at Caveat in New York City. The theme that night was, it's all in your head.
1: Okay, so has uh, this question is for the uterus owners in the room. How many of you have felt so lonely that you thought your copper ID was your best friend? Anybody else? <laughs> Uh, am I alone in that one too? Okay. Um, so I moved to New York in 2015, and I was so lonely. Hence that. So I moved here because I had a I had a small group of friends, but I didn't really know what I was doing in life. I was dabbling with this podcast. I, it's called Strangers Abroad. You can download it on iTunes and wherever you get podcasts. And so I was I was trying to figure out what to do with that, and I just had a weird jewelry part-time job and I was really lost but I you know I had a good group of friends to kind of you know go back to and one night we decided to go out to a party in Williamsburg and that was the first time I heard Jose's voice it was like deep and rumbling like the sound of a thunderstorm in the distance and I was so gravitated towards him and I'm very sensitive to voices hence the podcast and he had the kind of voice where he could read an encyclopedia to me and I'd be wet by Albuquerque like I was like I need to be around more of this so I go up to him we start chatting and he just has this like energy about him he seems a little bit older and and we're just chatting and he seems he, he tells me that he's a writer and he's a storyteller and he used to be an editor of like a really big magazine I was like oh my god like you have like power and direction and you're hot and you're like older and you're mature and I'm into this you're like a man like yes so by the time the party is over and we're the last ones there we've lingered throughout the entire night they're like kicking us out I by the time we left, I knew what flavor our cake was gonna be at our wedding. Like I was ready for it. So after about a month of hanging out and going on dates, and you know, we would just just laugh the whole time, and we had such deep conversations. He gives me a phone call, and he's like, "Hey, I gotta tell you something. I'm 20 years older than you, and I think we should be platonic." (laughs) I was like. (laughs) well, that's a lot of information to draw up in one sentence. Um, and as I'm trying not to calculate the age difference between him and my dad, he goes, I, but I do really think that that we could have a great creative partnership. Like, I really didn't think that we would get along so well. And, you know, like, you can help me with my writing and and I could help you with your podcast. And I was like, yeah, we'll be like a writing power couple and we'll, we'll, we'll improve each other and we'll, we'll take over New York with our writing skills and we're, this is going to be okay. It won't be physical, but you know, it'll be great. I'll still get to be with him. And so our dynamic turned into, you know, he would call me and we'd go, he would, he would call me and We'd start working on his stuff, and he'd be like, okay, we'll get to your podcast stuff last, just because, uh, you know, I, I have a, I have a deadline. So we'd work on his stuff, but, you know, by the time we would be done with it, we'd be, like, kind of tired. So we'd be like, well, let's just, you know, Netflix and that's it, just Netflix. Just just Netflix. And, you know, after binging an entire season of House of Cards, I would fall asleep in his bed and we would wake up, like, not spooning, but just like cusping each other and feeling like a lot of back of the knee heat, just like, oh, so but we would still fall into those patterns of when you wake up with a partner and you know we would flirt and make each other laugh and pick out each other's outfits and get ready we would like go get coffee and there was one time where a coffee we were just like bantering with the with the barista and she was like you guys are so cute and he goes oh she's not my girlfriend which is not what I wanted to hear at the time. But, you know, it didn't deter me because I knew that, you know, Rome wasn't built overnight and and I just, you know, if, if I would have to just put in a little bit more time, I just need to be more patient. So I just started, if we were going to be this, you know, writing power couple, so I just started doing more because I wanted to prove that I could be his girlfriend. So, you know, I just started taking his mail out for him or cleaning his room or being just an overall just emotional atlas for 40 plus years of issues and um, (laughs) and my real friends at the time were like what the fuck are you doing cleaning a 45 year old man's apartment and he's not eating your pussy out what is going on? And I was like, yeah, but you know, someday we're going to have a little place in the Hudson Valley and we're going to have a little writers' cove and make omelets with eggs from our chickens. Like that's going to I just have to put in a little bit more time. Until one day I I go to his apartment and you know, I knock on the door, he lets me in and it's one of those tiny Brooklyn apartments and I get, I get into the kitchen. His roommate's room is to my right and his room is to the left. And I walk into the kitchen dash living room, dash yoga studio, dash writing workshop, dash dining room because we live in closets in New York. And I was like, Hey, I've got some podcasting stuff. I want to go over with you. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just shoot a video for my storytelling thing. And, and then we'll get to your podcast. And I was like, okay, all right. So, I had written out a script for this video and he takes a look at it and then he tosses it aside and starts to improv like he thinks he's Wayne Brady from whose line is it anyways and it's so bad like he's just messing up and we're doing take after take after take and I'm like this is no amount of UCB classes can fix you like oh my god. So uh, he can tell that I'm getting a little frustrated and that this is taking a long time. So he's like, I heard a trick, you know, like we're only being shot from the waist up. So what if, you know, just to relax, we could just take our pants off just to like ease (laughs) tension. I was like, fucking 45 year old. Like, I see you (laughs) like I know what you're doing. Yeah, I am going to take my pants off. So when I take my pants off, we're sitting next to each other. And again, like not touching, but like a lot of thigh heat. And we do a take and it actually works, which is amazing. It's a really good trick. You guys should try it sometime. So we're like, awesome. It worked. We're done. We're good. And he's like, let's reward ourselves. We'll watch some Rick and Morty. And I was like, sure. That That sounds great. So I get up, pants still off. I get up and I turn the lights off. And we sit down and we start watching. So, uh, side note, I'm not, like, a super traditional girl. Like, I don't really need chocolates or flowers. But a kiss would be nice before you start finger blasting me. And out of nowhere, it's just, like, hand, hand, hand. I was like, holy... Well, this is this happening? So, okay. So, I roll over. We start making out and he scoops me up. He brings me to his bed and he throws me there. And we're just at it like two squirrels running up a tree. It's just like four months of sexual denture. We're like, at it. So, after about 15 minutes, he has like this weird anxiety thing. He's like, oh, shit. Can you, um, can you just go up and, and lock the door to the apartment just so my roommate doesn't come in It's a small apartment? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. So, I get up. I turn the lights on. I look back at my Conquest. And I've never seen so much blood in my life. I've never seen, like, you know, the scene from The Shining? When, like, the hallway doors, and it's just, like, a river of blood. Like, it looks like we just came up from that. So he jumps up, and I'm standing at this human, I don't know if you've ever seen blood, like blood on a human body before, but it looks like a haunted house had just hired a character of naked man covered in blood just to run around and freak people out, like he was, it was huh, it was a lot, it was a lot. So we're looking at each other, we're looking at our own bodies, and we're looking at the bed, and then we're looking at the bed, and we're looking at our own bodies, and we're looking at each other, but he's not screaming, and I'm not screaming so And I realize in that moment that I'm not into BDSM because I don't like the feeling of being horny and horrified at the same time. <laughs> so he breaks the silence and he goes, I'm going to take a shower. I was like, okay, that's okay. So he goes... Into the bathroom. And he turns the shower faucet on. And I look over at it. And I'm like. It, I'm not early. Because it doesn't look like. And then he screams. And he shouts from the bathroom. Your copper U D. IUD. lacerated my penis my copper iud was not having his nonsense my copper iud was like a lady praying mantis decapitating her lover's post she was not having his bullshit my copper iud was being the best friend i needed because she was preventing me from making all the bad decisions with men that not even my real friends could do So he runs in and he's like, what the fuck? He says, how could you not tell me that this guy... And I was like, hey, I have sex with much more men who are much larger than you and with more aggression. And this has never happened before. And he's like, okay, we need to go to the hospital. And I was like, yeah, let me just wipe this Game of Thrones episode off of me. (laughs) So... I go into the shower, and I'm just kind of, like, wiping myself down and being like, is this what it feels like to have filmed Psycho? And I get out. I'm, like, trying to dry myself off. And then, ladies, day two, you know when, like, just you feel a big... uh, Day two on your period when you just feel a big, like, chunk of it come out of you? (laughs) I, like, had that feeling. And I look down, and I'm bleeding his blood. Like, someone else's blood is coming out of my body, which is something I do on a monthly basis. But when it's someone else's blood, it's just... Well, it's just not as empowering. So anyways... (laughs) So... I have to, like, he's shouting. I mean, he's like, we need to go to the hospital. I was like, you know what? I have needs, too. Like, I need to take care of myself right now. So I find some semblance of clothing. I find a pad. We put it on. We get in a cab. We get to the hospital. And so we must have looked like a very strange, odd couple because he walks in holding himself like a gangster. And I am bow-legged because I don't want my thighs to touch. And we walk up to the receptionist, and she's like, how can I help you? <laughs> and we explain the situation, and she just unfazed, just marks us down as if it's her third lacerated penis that day. It's a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> and so they take us into a separate room. They kind of wrap him up uh, before the doctor like really comes and talks to us, and we're both just quiet. <laughs> and he reaches out his Hand, for me, and it feels—I just interlaced, and it just feels like an obligation. And I was tired of cleaning up his mess. So the doctor comes in, and he starts—he starts asking his questions about, like, okay, well, what's your sexual history? You know, like, how long has this ever happened before? And I just go, "Oh, he's not my boyfriend." (laughs) no 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 definitely no he is not he is not my boyfriend because i realized that the love that i was so craving from him would have to come from within thank you so
2: much that was adrian bain adrian is a triple threat storyteller a podcaster, writer, and live story performer. She has been featured in the New York Times and has self-produced her first podcast, Strangers Abroad, a narrative travel podcast. You can find her performing around the city or in her kitchen making pies. By the way, uh, thank you so much, Adrian, for the terrifying image contained within your story. Uh, I just want to let everyone know that I have looked it up and this kind of thing is very rare because IUDs go in your cervix and not in your vagina. So please, if you have an IUD or if you know you're in love with someone who has an IUD, please don't panic. You are safe. (laughs) Our next story today is from Dana Strout. It was recorded in September 2018 at the Criterion Theater in Bar Harbor, Maine. The show was presented in partnership with the Maine Science Festival and the theme that night was Breaking Boundaries.
0: Well, it's January 3, 2003, a cold winter night. Six o'clock in the evening, I'm having dinner with my wife, and the telephone rings. I pick it up. It's my doctor. He says, well, I got your biopsy reports back. I said, oh, how'd I do? He said, well, you've got prostate cancer. There's a lot of it, and it's really aggressive. But given your age and the shape you're in, we should be able to manage it pretty well. I'm thinking, manage it. Incontinency, impotency, this will be interesting. So I go back, and I sit down. My wife says, who's that? I said, oh, that was a doctor. Says I got prostate cancer. Can I have some more potatoes, please? She says, what? I said, yeah, give me the potatoes. She says, wait a minute. You got prostate cancer. I said, yeah, there's nothing we're going to do about it tonight. We'll go see the doctor later. Can I have the potatoes? Okay. So this is what started what I thought would be a long, dark, and humorless winter. But I was wrong. At least part of it. So she says, we got to tell somebody. I said, no. Now, my wife, if she has a hangnail, she has to tell her friends. She says, we've got to tell your mother. No. Your brother. No. Your sisters. No. Your friends. No. Your partner. No. Your secretary. No. we got to tell someone. No. Now, I'm a pretty task-oriented guy. And so to me, that translates okay, this is my disease, I'll manage it. I'll do the research, I'll find out what I need to know, and we'll go from there. And so I did. I get right into the computer, I do the research. After three weeks, I knew as much as I knew after the first 10 minutes. If you have it out, you got eight to 10 years. If you have seeds, you got eight to 10 years. If you do nothing, you got eight to 10 years. I'm looking at it thinking, hmm, I know a lot of guys. At it for a long time. So I don't believe any of this stuff. And the reality was I never thought I would die. Never. Not one instance. But I was concerned about a couple of those management issues. Incontinency and impotency. So I go to the doctor. We do the research. We talk to him. We look at the different ways. And then I head down to Johns Hopkins. And on April 15, I have it out. They put me under. They wheel me back. To my room. I got a roommate. Now at Johns Hopkins, it's all prostate cancer surgery. So they wheel me in at 430 in the afternoon. I got a roommate. He leans up on an elbow and he says, what are you in for? And he passes out. (laughs) I thought, well, okay. You know, I'm in this Demerol fog. I don't know what the hell's going on. Morning, I wake up. And as I start to come to, I'm curious. What do I look like? So I pull back the sheet. There's a couple of drain tubes. I didn't realize Home Depot had had a sale on garden hoses because I got one as a catheter, and that thing's as big as my thumb, and I'm not exaggerating. And so I spend a week there, and I go home, and when I get home, I know I've got another week to have the catheter in. They say, just go to the doctor, they'll take it out. You'll be okay. You're gonna have a little incontinence. And I'm wondering what a little incontinence is. Is it like when the dentist says, oh, this will hurt a little as they're strapping you in? Or just what does it mean? So, I go to the doctor to have it out. And nurse Nancy is there and she says nothing to this, I've done it a hundred times. You're going to have a little incontinence. I said, okay. She says, here's a pad to put on, because after I take it out, you're going to pee a little, I think. I said, okay. So she takes it out, and believe it or not, seamless. Doesn't hurt. You don't feel anything. And she sticks the pad down my shorts. I get up, and do I squirt? I mean... That thing is soaked. I mean, not a little. It's soaked. She says, you may want to stop by the right aid. (laughs) So I do. The wife is in the car. I go in, and I'm looking. She says, try Depends. So I walk over to the wall, and they got the Depends there. But to the left of it, they've got the women's pads. That's the pro section. They've got long. They've got short. They've got wide. They've got super... They've got thick, double thick, super extra thick, super extra thick absorbent. Now, I'm an obsessive compulsive. So what does an obsessive compulsive do? I bought one of each. I had about a five-foot stack of these things in my arms as I hobble over to the counter. And on my tiptoes, I get them up there. And I hear this voice. Does this person have Medicare. And around from the back, this little old lady peers. I said, what? She says, does this person have Medicare? I said, no, ma'am, it's me. She said, oh, you poor dear. My husband had the same thing. Don't worry, 90 days, you'll be dry. I said, okay. So we go home. Now I'm sitting in this wet pad, right? So as soon as we get home, I change them out. I get a nice super absorbent one. I stick it down there. That's pretty good, I'm feeling okay, until I move. Now the thing with this is, if you're standing up, like I am now, there's no problem. If you're laying down, there's no problem. It's only when you flex. And so you flex and you squirt. You flex, you squirt. You flex, you it. You flex, you squirt. You 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 All I can do is sit on the couch and watch TV. Every time I move, guess what? A day and a half later, I look down and I've got the world's worst case of diaper rash. I mean, that thing should be in a textbook. I'm looking at it thinking, this ain't gonna work. I got 89 days to go. So I gotta figure something out. And I'm smart, right? I'm a lawyer. We we figure things out. So I hobble down to the kitchen, and I get a great big white trash bag. And then I hobble back into the bathroom and get a great big thick bath towel. And then I hobble over to the kitchen. I reach up, and I take down the box of Ziplocs. <laughs> so I take them upstairs to the TV room, put the towel out. First I put down the plastic bag, then I put the thick towel on it. Take all my clothes off, because I've got to dry out. I mean, I cannot... I cannot go like this. So I take the baggie, right? And what do you do? You zip it on. Now, when I move, now I can see myself. I can see what's happening. And after a day or so of sitting there, I'm pretty good. I go to sleep with the thing. It's okay, But it's not real good for walking around, because it wants to come undone. we got to figure something else out. All right, I'm smart. I'm a lawyer. So I'm sitting there thinking. Thinking, I got it. Unlubricated condoms. That'll work. I'll just put one on and tape it. Unroll it a little bit, a few inches, and when I move, it'll be fine. So, you know, when you've had cancer, your friends say, if you need anything, give me a call. So, I do. I call my buddy Mark. Hey, Mark, you want to take me to the drugstore? Mark's a discreet person. He doesn't ask why. He knows I've had the surgery. I did tell him. And we go over. And I head to the family planning section. He says, little optimistic, aren't you? I said, no, 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 I'm going to buy some condoms, some unlubricated ones, so I can tape on the end of my dick so I don't, you know, pee on everything. He says, whatever. And walks off, he's not going to be part of this shtick, right? So I go through and I find a box, just what I'm looking for, 36 Trojan unlubricated condoms. I didn't know they were that expensive. but So I got money, I walk up to the counter, I put them down, and the gal says, anything else? I said, no, this should get me through the weekend. <laughs> and so I leave. He takes me home. I go upstairs. I get down to my favorite TV spot. Now, I'm careful, I still got my bag, I still got the towel. I tape this thing to me. I take a little quarter inch piece of tape, right? This is not a surgical operation. So I, I unroll the thing a little bit, I put it on the side there, tape it, and I'm good to go. It's freedom. I get up, I squirt, sit down, I squirt. If that's enough, I take it off, put on a new one. It is like a kid that's just learned to ride a bike. I can go out to dinner. I mean, I can go out to dinner now with friends and have a good time. All I have to do if I move too much, go to the restroom and change. So I go around with like eight or ten of these in my pockets all the time. And things are feeling pretty good, you know. I can move, I'm not, of course my diaper rash starts to go away, I'm feeling pretty good about this. And so my wife invites me back to the marital bed. I'd been relegated to the studio because the last thing you want is a 53-year-old incontinent guy sleeping next to you, right? It's just not going to work. And the poor mattress, you know, I don't have to tell you about that. So I'm there the first night in bed, right? Three o'clock, the call of nature comes. So I get up, and I start to slough off into the bathroom like all us guys do. Now, I have to regress a little bit here when you've had this surgery one of the things they do is they have to cut your ureter off the bladder and then sew it back on and one of the fears i had and one of the fears all the guys i've ever either mentored or talked to about it have is this what if it comes apart inside they have to go back in and redo the whole thing i mean this is serious major abdominal surgery so you're really afraid you're going to come apart and so I do what every guy does. I slough into the bathroom, eyes half closed. And every guy here will understand this. You reach down, you pull up the toilet seat, right? Put your hand out, lean against the wall, Got your eyes closed, you're positioned right above the toilet, and you let it go. And God, does it feel good. It's the first time, and it's just going. And then it dawns on me, there's no sound. There's no sound. I've come apart. I'm peeing inside of me. And just as I have that thought, now you've all seen these World War II movies with the submarine and the torpedo as it heads towards your favorite boat. Well, I mean to tell you, when that condom took off, it put those torpedoes to shame. That thing buried itself so deep in the water and made so much noise, it woke up my wife. And I'm in there laughing. And I'm laughing, and I'm laughing, and I'm laughing. And she says, what the hell is going on? So I tell her the story, and she starts laughing. And I walk over to her in bed, and we're both laughing, and we're holding each other. And I think that was the moment we knew it would be okay. Thank you.
2: That was Dana Strout. Dana is a Maine native with roots in the state going back over 300 years. He is a practicing attorney in the Camden-Rockport area specializing in construction law, as well as a photographer working in 19th and early 20th century processes. He was also an on-air programmer for many years on WERU Community Radio. He currently lives with his wife, Dory and two cats in Camden. Story Collider is grateful for the support of the Tiffany & Co. Foundation, and of Science Sandbox, a Simons Foundation initiative dedicated to engaging everyone with the process of science. The Story Collider is led by me, Artistic Director Aaron Barker, as well as Executive Director Liz Neely, with help from Deputy Director Nissa Greenberg, Operations Support Manager Lindsay Cooper, and the rest of our amazing team. The stories featured in today's podcast were from shows produced by Paula Croxon, Tracy Rowland, Nissa Greenberg, and Skylar Baer. The podcast is edited by senior podcast editor Zoe Saunders with help from Gwen Hogan. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Caveat and the Criterion Theater for hosting these shows and to all the IUDs out there, protecting women in more ways than one. Thanks for listening.